listening to List It, the show where me and a guest rank and list things in pop culture. And we have a very fun show today. Uh, my guest is a very vi- busy person these days. He just released a new book, Alone in Plain Sight, Searching for Connection When You're Seen But Not Known. An incredible book. You may also know him from The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. He's also host the Almost Famous podcast. And he is the co-founder of Generous International and the Generous Coffee Company, which is an incredible company uh, that's working to solve injustices issues through business. He's also got some really exciting things in the works. Ben Higgins, welcome to List It, man. Well, hey, I'm pumped to be here. Now, here's the thing. I am going to do my best okay. to be the best lister that you've ever had. But That's a high I bar. Have a job. But- <laughs> it's a high bar. Uh, but I have a job, literally, with the Almost Famous Podcast, which is a pop culture podcast. And my job is to know as little as possible about okay. pop culture. So my co-host can teach me. So if I make a fool of myself today, <laughs> I apologize. We'll still have fun. Okay. So if you if, if that happens, I think we have to blame your co-host. It's not your fault. You're the one. You're supposed yeah, to be the sponge true. absorbing it. You know, that's it's Ashley's I'm fault. I'm the student. Over there. She's the teacher. Yep. That's right. Good point. Well, well, dude, I'm really excited to talk to you a bit because you've had such a fascinating story and you continue to do some really incredible stuff. Obviously, a lot of people would know you uh, from The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, but dude, your new book, man, l- before we jump to our list, because we're going to be talking about kind of uh, a ranking of uh, rom-com sort of coming of, of age movies, because the cool thing about your book, man, is I feel like your life up to this point, if if basically the script for your life up to this point came out, it would be it would wouldn't be out, that out of place at, as like a movie script because you've had this crazy experience with fame, uh, but you've also you know you're a person of of conviction, you know, and alone in plain sight talks a lot about sort of that tension that exists as someone who uh, has real depth and uh, you know is a person of faith and wants to use their platform and use their life to do awesome things, but, you know, also kind of being involved in the world of reality TV and, and kind of fame and having people that you don't know feel this personal connection with you. You know, you talk a lot about that in the book. Tell me a little bit about what inspired you to write Alone in Plain Sight. Yeah, definitely. Well, before I I begin here, I just, I do want to apologize to you and everybody else. I didn't expect uh, my bathroom to be getting remodeled today. Uh, this was not in the in the works, but when some when the contractors come, especially during this time in life, when oh, you yeah. you have to say yes. And so if yeah. you hear some buzzing behind me, or if I suddenly go on mute, I'm going to make the most of this. Uh, yeah, but I do want to give that hint. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, there's nothing weird going on here. It's just how I get Um Yeah, to start, you know, one of the cool things, and you said it, um, and one of the reasons why I wrote Alone in Plain Sight. And so I'm going to tell you something I've never said, and I'll probably get crushed for this. Uh, But when I started Alone in Plain Sight, my whole idea behind the book was I wanted to try to communicate to people that their stories mattered so much they could could be written about in the Bible. Hmm. What I mean by that is that I believe personally uh, that we are all uh, children of God and that all of our stories matter. And so I just thought that over like since... For the last 2,000 years, we've continued to diminish each one of our own individual stories. So I want to look at somebody and say, "You understand how incredible you are. Like you under you want to understand like that you're like that you matter. You understand that your story could be learned from, read from, t- 
taught, like your ups and downs in life are something that generations uh, could read and gain wisdom from. Like, do you understand that you have that ability that like the people that we, we read about in the Bible were humans too. They're not like superheroes. They're, you know, they're uniquely gifted in the same way we are. And so when you say that my, my story could be a movie, I would say, yes, it could. And so could yours. And so could the person mm-hmm. listening, uh, because all of our stories has the drama, right? The, the, the successes, the joys, the sorrows, the struggles, the pains, um, the moments of law and difficulty, the moments of confusion and doubt. And, and that's, what's been exciting for me, I guess, over the last five years is I finally had a little bit of the confidence and, and much more of the reassurance to understand that my story does matter and I can, and I can use it for good. And, and, but I would say that same thing. I would say, well, if I realized it, knowing where I came from and how I felt about myself, that every single person out there listening, every single person out there listening, uh, could have the same realization. And then what happens when you do, you know, my story is just weird. Like it's not, it's not that cool. I went on a reality television show, a dating show. I had no tangible skill sets to do that. Like I didn't work for that. Yeah. I got I got chosen to go and date a bunch of people and get famous for it. Like yeah. not mad about it. Um, been really great for me. I get to talk to you because of it. Uh, but you know, it doesn't, it, it's not something that I necessarily like would say is the coolest thing ever or has made me any different than anybody else out there listening, other than the fact that I got super lucky and got handed a platform that I never thought I would. Yeah. Hey, by the way, can you hear that? A little bit, but uh, <laughs> it's not that bad. No, it's not too bad. I think listeners, if you hear it, there, you know, just some tile work going on in the background. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is the story of podcasting during a pandemic. Okay, listeners, you just got to deal with it if you want the content. I mean, you know, we're people too. We got we got homes. We got to you know have tended to. Um, well, dude, and that's why that's what's so cool about the book, and and honestly, why I wanted to talk about this topic with you today. Obviously, we're kind of taking a pop culture event uh, bent, but I think the the movies that we're going to be discussing today and our selections are. Really Really, obviously, a lot of them are kind of funny, and I think there are you know some insights we can draw. But the ones that you know we've kind of identified, I really do feel like show the power in individual stories that, from the outside, may not seem like this kind of sensational, grand narrative, but it's real people's lives working through. You know, whether it's expectations from culture, whether it's expectations from their families, whether it's just sort of, you know, everyone has this kind of vision for their life when they're like a kid growing up. But most of the people, when they grow up, their life ends up looking a lot different than, you know, it it would be hard. Like, it's one thing to have like a path like yours, which would be very hard to speculate. I'm sure when you're, you know, a, a kid you know, having the path that you did probably wasn't even in kind of a frame of reference. But I feel like a lot of people's lives go like that, whether it involves, you know, TV or not. And that's why I felt like some of these movies were really interesting. Uh, ben, what is sort of your relationship with the genre of of kind of these, uh, you know, I feel like in like the Ma- Matthew McConaughey era of, of Hollywood, when he was like doing his first, you know, uh, uh, kind of rise, these were like really corny movies, sort of the rom-com genre, ones that you would like tolerate on a date if you had to you could go see how to lose a guy in 10 days or something but when judd apatow came along and he started putting out Mm. you know movies with with that crew uh you know i want to start with knocked up which is you know number five on my list i feel like the genre kind of took a little bit more thoughtful bent because you saw movies out of that era uh this is 40 uh the 40 year old virgin forgetting sarah marshall train wreck these films that really have kind of a moral emotional center 
character that was beyond, hey, here's a quirky girl and a cool guy. I wonder if they're going to get together. What's your relationship with that genre of movies, particularly kind of starting at Knocked Up? Mm. Yeah, my, my relationship with them from an emotional side uh, is, is, I guess, one that I really enjoyed. Uh, yeah. I'm an only child. So I, I spent a lot of time um, watching movies to try to stay relevant and cool. So I had yeah. friends that I could live with around me. Now, here's the cool thing about those movies. Uh, it brought people together, not like date settings, right? You're in high school and you want to hold hands and cuddle on a couch. You turn on a rom-com and maybe she's super happy and impressed that you did that for. But these movies are ones that we all got together to watch. Yeah. Like this was an event. This was an experience. This was one that, that did we we not only laugh from them and quoted lines from them, uh, but they're, they they those movies for the first time were ones that both in high school both the guys and the girls would all get together in groups just to watch them and laugh together. Uh, I think before yeah they were they were saved for those individual moments. Uh, yeah. or, you know so yes uh, that's my relationship. I watched a lot of those. You say uh, it's weird for getting Sarah Marshall is a movie I watch still to this day when I'm feeling down and out. Uh, or after I've watched something creepy, turn yeah. off Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and I'm I'm good to go. What What is it about Forgetting Sarah Marshall that is so return? Like you know, it, because I feel I feel like that's one of the most underrated movies from that era. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's yeah. been often kind of overshadowed by some of those kind of Seth Rogen. Because Forgetting Sarah Marshall, people forget how quirky and weird that movie is. I mean, it ends yeah. with a Muppet with the Muppets doing like a Dracula musical. What is it about Forgetting Sarah Marshall that you keep coming back to? Ooh, I, I think it's the relatability. Yeah, I think it's the relatability and the humor in the the sorrow. Like, mm. it, you know, how many times? Okay, so here's a good example. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I, I dated a girl, was engaged to a girl from national television. It was a real relationship for me. Yeah. Very serious. We break up, right? Uh, she she kind of ends things. Things are going a different direction. It was the right decision. I'm, you know, I totally get it, but there was pain there. Right. There's still pain. Yeah. Four days later, have no clue. We haven't talked. Right. Four days. You kind of do the breakup. You're like, I'm not talking to her. Done with this. I'm walking on the streets of New York with my best friend. Guess who's across the street from me? <laughs> my, my ex. Oh. So it's that humor, that relatability yeah. in that moment where you can watch that movie and say, I know how he feels. Like, yeah. I know that this sucks and he can't get out of it. And he's just trying to do the best thing, but it feels like the world's falling down around him. He doesn't know why. I think that's one part of it. I also think it's, uh, and I think it was brilliant, the scene that was set, right? You have the beach and you have the ocean, something mm. that's typically very relaxing. And, and it's a vacation for us, something, uh, a place that kind of calms our spirits. Yet the whole scene of chaos is filmed there. And I think that was a part that I really enjoyed watching where you're like, I, like, it's like, it's, it's almost the irony in that moment where you're like, I'm going on the best vacation ever to get away and do something for myself. Yet life has a different idea. Yeah. Well, are excited that she's here. She's my ex-girlfriend. We broke up three weeks ago. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. All right. This is fine, right? Sir? It's totally fine. Okay. There she is. Did she see me? Uh-huh. Is she coming over here? Yep. I wish I wasn't wearing this shirt. Fair enough. Why don't you try to unbutton it? Button it back up. Peter. Hey. Hi. What are you doing here? Came here to murder you. <laughs> really? What are you doing here? I had been having a tough time, you know, back in LA. Uh, but then 
I came here and here you are. Well, the other thing that's interesting about that movie, particularly that I feel like w- with your story is, you know, it's ultimately a movie about, you know, for people who haven't seen it, Jason Siegel plays a composer in Hollywood who ends up dating a woman who is a huge star. Um, they go through a difficult breakup and she starts dating a rock star. The three of them end up at the same res- resort. But one of the kind of through lines for the movie is the tension of being in a high profile relationship, which, you know, I think bumping into to an ex in an awkward location is something that a lot of people can probably relate to. But the element of, hey, dude, there's photographers here taking pictures of my ex and me within proximity and kind of drumming up drama that now you have to deal with in your real life. I wonder too, if that is sort of the, has, has had a draw, uh, uh, to, because that's, that's a major theme in the movie is that not yeah. only do, does the, the kind of friend group have commentary about what's happening, you know, that movie is about a high profile kind of celebrity relationship. Do you think that's sort of the pull for you too, watching Jason Siegel navigate that awkward tension? That's interesting. I've never thought about that. Well, you know, my breakup was the number one Google breakup uh, <laughs> in my whatever that happened in 2017 Dude. or 18. Oh, you know how man. You get like a little like um, certificate or something for that. Yeah. Um, it feels terrible. Like, it's, yeah. but it's like now looking back, I'll be honest, it, uh, you learn a lot. Uh, but it's, oh, it is that like almost there's like humor in it. Where it's like, yeah. of course, right? You go through this thing and then you have people taking pictures. You have all these rumors and opinions and you're just sitting here trying to process it all. I've never thought about the, how much I could relate to them. Now, granted, I'm not a A-list celebrity and also... But still, uh, not a lot of people still, have any breakup Googled once, fair, much less like, you know, a number one trending topic, you know? That's fair. Yeah, I've never thought about it that way. That's great. I, I got to watch it back with that perspective to, to kind of feel see the undertones yeah because it's got to be a magnifying factor like any emotions that a normal person feels like well now all these other people are just gonna have assumptions that's got to just make things so much more complicated but honestly that's kind of the fun of the movie because you see it in russell brand's character too because he takes this sort of laissez-faire approach where Mm -hmm. you know he's sort of this rock star that doesn't really that any press is good press where jason siegel is kind of that every man who's like i can't believe my relationship is playing out like this in front of everybody and jason siegel's probably feeling like he had i mean he did he had the girl of his dreams and she's now away but he has to watch her move on yeah he has to see it not only does it to feel it he has to see it and experience it that's got to be weird yeah uh and very difficult um for him and yeah then you have this social brand character who's like very welcoming super confident kind of like Hey, this is just another another yeah. person for me. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. So, knocked up uh, and forgetting Sarah Marshall, the the yeah. Judd Apatow movies. We got number five. All right, number four. I want to talk about a genre of of rom com that has sort of uh, made a comeback recently, and that's sort of like the night out uh, genre, where we have recently Game Night. I don't know if you saw Game Night with. Uh, uh, Jason yep. Bateman, Kyle Chandler, Rachel McAdams. But before that, we had Date Night with Tina Fey, Steve Carell. Uh, mm. I think Four Christmases kind of falls into this genre with Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon, where they kind of have a long, prolonged date day. But then there's movies like Couples Retreat that really play on this. So how was your night? <clears throat> My husband found himself in a very traumatic shark situation. Here we go. As we were planning to go to the waterfall and have a romantic evening because as you know we don't do that very often because of the kids and work but somehow this this crazy traumatic shark experience was 
was enough to make him neglect his wife. Ronnie, nice to meet you. Well said. David, how did that make you feel? I know my truth. Excuse me? I know my truth. Did you say I know my truth? Oh, boy. But Game Night to me with uh, uh, Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams star, Jesse Plemons plays like this psychopath neighbor who wants to participate in in the Game Night. Um, and one of the things I like about this genre of movie, but, but Game Night in particular, is it really finds the comedy in the mundanity of a relationship. You know, there's a lot of rom-coms about people coming together and people breaking up, right? But there aren't just a lot of movies that are midstream relationship. These couples that have been together for a while they're trying to keep things fun trying to keep things exciting even when life gets crazy so you know a lot of the the construct for these movies is things go crazy over the course of a date ben what is your take on on movies like that particularly you know ones that kind of find the humor in the mundanity of midstream relationships like game night yeah uh i'm gonna add one to your list can i okay. that, yeah, yeah. I'm, oh totally that uh, i was actually very surprised by yesterday um, oh yeah yeah new jennifer gardner know, movie yeah yeah you know it's it's that it is it's the humor in the mundane it's the humor it's for me what i want in a movie is to enter into the life and relate to it and those movies do that for me more than the others i will say that they don't tickle my funny bone typically personally as much as an appetite movie yeah. um i want to be stretched i want to yeah. feel weird like you know, I live in a uh, a pretty, like, most of the time I try to push out of it, but like being a Christian, like I live in a pretty conservative world most of the yeah. time, right? The people I surround myself with, people typically aren't pushing the limits when it comes to humor as much as I would probably prefer. So yeah. I want to I want to sit down and watch a movie that makes me, that stretches me. Um, you know, those movies don't do it as much for me. Like they don't give me yeah. the, the knowledge, but... Um, but there's some great movies out there. I actually just two nights ago sat down with my fiance and I told her, you know, something that's going to be a super unpopular opinion that uh, I feel like I feel strongly about. And she goes, what's that? I said, I think couples retreat is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. All right. I'm re- I'm here for the take. I'm here for the take. Cause couples retreat, uh, Gets terrible it, reviews. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and I remember seeing it in the theater. Cause at the time, that was like peak Vince Vaughn, right? Yeah. That was, it was, and I, I want to talk about wedding crashers and kind of wedding movies <laughs> yeah. down the road, but that was like, Vince Vaughn was unstoppable. He was just cranking oh, he, out. He had that movie. He had the breakup with uh, Jennifer Aniston. Like I said, he had uh, uh, the wedding crashers. He, it was yeah. just Vince Vaughn was in everything. Couples Retreat comes out, but it really is this same idea. It's couples midstream mundanity. I want to I want to hear your thoughts on the movie, but also there has to be some relatable thread in this for you because you go from a scenario where you know it couldn't be any more high profile and exciting uh, to you know kind of thrust back into the reality of life in, in in a very dramatic way. You know, going from kind of TV to to not on TV to TV. You know, these kind of cycles. What is it about kind of seeing a couple? that is just a way trying to deal with this mundane stuff, not the sensational stuff, but the mundane that you kind of found that is really appealing in couples retreat. I mean, I think I'm going to sound like a broken record here, um, but you watch those movies and there's humor in the moments that we can all relate with. Like it, yeah. it puts, it's almost like reading a really, it is like reading a really good book. I think that's probably the, one of the worst examples ever given, but, it, but let's hear me out here. It, you know, when you read a book, that hits home. 
usually my take is you're putting words to things that I felt that I've thought, but I couldn't express. I couldn't communicate. Like that happens when you read a good book. Yeah. The same thing happens with a movie like Couples Retreat, where they're putting words and storylines to things that we've all experienced in relationships that maybe we couldn't highlight or pinpoint or that we didn't find humor in, right? Yeah. I think it's one of the most beautiful things when you watch me like that was as a couple is all of a sudden your arguments start feeling less heavy and they start yeah. becoming more <laughs> hilarious, yeah. right? Like, and, and I think that's so healthy for a couple when all of a sudden you can look at each other and laugh and be like, we are, we're so yeah. stupid. Like, what yeah. are we doing? Like, do we yeah. really want to argue about this? Or like, you know, it's like, it's just those things for me really bring it out. Now with couples retreat, I thought it did a great job at that. Yes. There's some wall moments. Yes. There's some slow moments. I understand that. But the the thread throughout is one that we can all enter into. If we're in relationship with somebody, if we're in a partnership with somebody, we can enter into into that storyline and go, no, I could see myself there. In fact, yeah. I've already been there. Um, and this to me just rings and hits home. Yeah, it, that's such a good point because I, I've been, you know, I I got Peacock like the, you know, stream. Yeah. Now we all have, you know, 50 streaming apps that we forget we have. And, you know, yeah. but I, I really wanted to continue watching The Office when it left Netflix. So I got I got Peacock and I started and don't judge me on this, but I started like rewatching late at night when I can't sleep, like episodes of King of Queens, which oh, is like a so corny's. Good. But, dude, it, it, it's Kevin that same James. idea. Yeah, it's that same idea where the mundane like arguments as a couple if you look at it in a vacuum with a laugh track it is pretty funny that there's a couple arguing over who put the scissors in the wrong kitchen drawer this isn't this isn't an argument that needs to that needs to be an indictment on a relationship it can just be hey isn't it funny that people that really love each other can still get in an argument about something dumb like that's yeah. what that taps into which i think is like kind of a comforting thing but also helps keep things in perspective to a degree hundred percent. You're right. King of Queens is just like, I mean, so good. That, that time period, they've tried it since then. Netflix has tried it a couple of times and shows like that they do. And it's comforting in a, in yeah. a way, right? Like, yeah. especially in a world where chaos is ensuing around us at all times, like everything's changing so fast. We can all say it right. Or we can all say, Oh, we're so busy. Everybody's so busy. But those shows allow us to relate and find comfort and humor and the excuses and the th- yeah. and the things that we're doing in our everyday life. And I, and I, and again, as I kind of said with like some more like uh, push the limits humor, um, like I want to be stretched and I want to be convicted when I watch these things to be like, man, I'm being ridiculous. Like, yeah, oh, yeah being, exactly. Exactly. Know, that's fun yeah. for me. Yeah. And that's why I like how a lot of times it's just speaking from the guy's perspective. It's a lot of times it's the dude who's like, okay, I need to stand down on this. This is a ridiculous yeah. stand I'm taking. Yeah. Kevin James is a great surrogate for just like male incompetence in, in, in yeah. a really great disarming way. All right. So, so we have sort of the, uh, the, the, uh, Apatow sort of elevated, mm-hmm. kind of raunchy, but they're also a moral center to a lot of those films. Then we have sort of the, 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 Finding humor in the mundane with the couples retreats and the game nights and the date nights. The next category I want to talk about, and the one that I kind of chose for the top of the list, was a movie called The Big Sick, which came out a few years ago on Amazon, starring Kamel Ninjani, who played an Uber driver and stand-up comedian who ends up coming to the aid of his ex-girlfriend when she falls possibly terminally ill. And it kind of tells, a, re- and it's actually based on his real-life relationship. It was ended up being nominated for an Academy Award that year, but it kind of came in a line of these 
more high-minded sort of romantic movies. You look at Trainwreck, which mm. had a lot of themes about sort of, with Amy Schumer about sort of arrested development and trying to moving through kind of a phase in your life that might be destructive in order to find love. Uh, Crazy Stupid Love, which is a, a really fantastic movie with Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell. Uh, there's a movie with Steve Carell, Dan, in real life. Again, all of these kind of take a little bit more of a heavy approach to to romance. They still find the humor, but they're a little bit more grounded in reality than, say, a Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which has you know Russell Brand doing Russell Brand stuff. Uh, ben, do, are you a fan of these these kind of? Uh, some of them are kind of more in the indie-ish realm, but are you a fan of of the ones that kind of maybe take themselves a little bit? more seriously am i a fan um i'm not not a fan i don't see i don't tend to invest my time into those as much as maybe hmm. one uh you know at the end of the day uh i want my mind to go free if i'm yeah. gonna if you know i might work and then i want if i'm gonna sit down and watch like i want to be able to laugh about stupid stuff yeah um and that's just a personal opinion for me so i don't invest like crazy stupid love though is a great movie well, yeah. you know, I don't know why when you say crazy, stupid love, it, re, it like for me that I like have a pull to that one more than the others that you mentioned. Um, crazy, stupid love, I think, like walked that line a little bit more depth that pulled at the heartstrings a bit. Yeah. Um, but it was compounded with so much humor throughout that, like, I still found myself laughing. Some of the others, like, I, 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 I carry, t- I don't know what you call this, but when I read or watch something, like I carry that emotion with me. Um, like I can, it, it impacts me deeply. Uh, it, it, I hold it inside for a bit. And so I got to be very careful with what I watch. I got to be very careful how far I push the limits emotionally because I already carry so much of that with me that when I sit down at night to watch a show, I'm mostly looking to get back to even where I can like laugh a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I'm not as much of a fan, I guess, um, but I still admire the work. I just don't, I don't invest myself into it as much. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting you say that because I kind of have the same reaction to those films where I like watching them the first time and, and really, you know, if I'm in the right mindset, but a movie like Crazy Stupid Love, in addition to being really funny and kind of having this interesting dynamic with like Suave, Ryan Gosling, and, you know, this kind of doofusy version of Steve Carell, it's also dealing with issues like infidelity with, you know, kind of um, uh, generate the complexities of, you know, different romantic philosophies across generations. You know, it it has some really heavy themes in there, you know, and it's interesting you say maybe kind of avoiding them to kind of uh, go back to an emotional place, you know, having kind of had the different experiences that you've had in life that are very unique. You know, I think maybe triggering is probably too strong of a word, but I think there is type of a type of avoidance when it comes to engaging with certain types of stories you know, from interacting with a lot of people kind of in the, the, the space of telling their stories, you know, and, and obviously kind of your book being so much about the value of people's stories, how much caution do you think people should have when allowing themselves to go to emotional places, even if it's through the lens of pop culture and storytelling that might set them backwards instead of going forward as someone who's kind of thought a lot about the power of stories? Yeah, uh, I actually saw a list the other day uh, where the Truman Show was put on a list of comedies. Hmm. And I was like, I can't see that. The Truman Show messed me. I went to counseling because of the Truman Show. Really? Um, well, well, it was this pre, I mean, after? Pre. Uh, 
pre. And really? then I kind of like, yeah, then I did something stupid and went on a reality television show. Where- I was going to say, <laughs> that seems like a, I could see ne- needing counseling for that movie after going to The Bachelor, but what- I like to punish what, myself, yeah. What, what was, yeah, that's maybe some sort of like therapy, like immersion therapy, where you just immerse yourself yeah. into the, what was it about the movie the first time you saw it that, you know, caused you to have such a strong reaction? Well, the book, my, you know, my book, Alone in Plain Sight, the, the theme of that book is that uh, we all have pains and we all have struggles and we're not alone. But for most of my life, since I was a little, little kid, like little tiny kid, one of my first memories is that I felt like the outsider looking in or I felt different, uh, unknown. I felt like everybody else was in on the joke that I wasn't in on, like that I couldn't figure out. And so the tr- I watch a Truman Show, I'm like, this is exactly how I'm feeling. I'm feeling like everybody else has something that I don't. And I think that's where it got me was, am I, is this whole thing a big joke? Like at some point, you know, not to get too super heavy, but I've always struggled with death, not from a perspective of like, hey, I don't want to die. I don't necessarily say I want to die. I, I don't. But yeah. Um, but like, is is that going to happen? And I'm going to wake up one day, and it's all going to be a hilarious joke that was played on me. That's how mm-hmm. I felt. Like that's been a very, you could say it's it's an unfair insecurity, but it's been one that I have. So you know, say what you will about it. And so I watched the Truman Show. And it it reinforces some of the emotional, deep emotional like things that I feel. And then I have a narrative to start playing off of and that I can live within. And that gets really dangerous for me. And so mm. for me personally, I think it's an individual choice. I have friends that are unaffected um, by horror films, by, uh, by any movie or book that they read. For me, that's just not the case. Like I am yeah. deeply affected and I know that. So I have to be very careful. Um, so I don't, you know, I, I can't say like, but I also like to be stretched. Like I said, I like to be convicted. I like to feel uncomfortable during yeah. those, those moments. That's yeah. healthy for me. I don't want to live in my, live in a, in a life of comfort and in a box, but I have to also be wise in what I choose to, to watch or invest into because for me personally, I just, I feel it and yeah. I think about it and I dream about it and it's on my mind the next day. Uh, which is why a, a really lighthearted comedy is easier for me to watch. I just know it's going to put me in a better spot, especially for my job tomorrow. Like if yeah. I got in here with you and I was like, what if I just yeah. poured out all of my insecurities? Yeah. Like if yeah. I just sat here, I was like last night I watched the Truman show and man today, this is what I'm struggling with. Yeah. Be like, what are you doing? Like, this yeah. is weird. This yeah. is not the moment. This is awkward. Yeah, I was going to say, it's one of those things where I feel like there's a time and space for, but you you do have to be cautious to a degree with it. But speaking of the movies that are kind of more lighthearted, that take you to the other place, the next one on my list, really, I want to kind of break down a a genre that I've really enjoyed over the years. And my pick for this genre is Bridesmaids, but it comes in a long line of just really incredible movies that at the center point is a wedding. So obviously you have like Wedding Crashers, you have uh, The Wedding Singer. I think you put the Hangover movies in this category where Mm -hmm. at this core of the story is a wedding. And even though movies like Bridesmaids is about a a relationship. It's really about the adjacent relationships. It's about friends. It's same thing with Wedding Crashers. That's a buddy movie about ro- about you know romance. It's the Hangover movies is about buddies sticking together under kind of this 
it's sort of unspoken and they play it for laughs, but sort of this unspoken heaviness that look, relationships change the dynamics with everyone in your life. And that's the kind of the core theme of bridesmaids is these two best friends. One of them's getting married. One of them's not. And they're both expressing their uh, fears about what what that will do to their friendship in different very hilarious ways here's a friend standing directly in front of you trying to talk to you and you choose to talk about the fact that you don't have any friends you know what i mean no no i don't think you want any help i think you want to have a little pity party yeah i think annie wants a little pity party is that what you want you're a hole annie my god what are you doing i'm life huh life bothering you yes i'm life i'm life annie oh you Nice hit. All right. I'm glad to see you got a little bit of spark in you. You know, Ben, what's your take on this genre of movies, especially kind of the through line of how romantic relationships kind of affect lifelong friendships? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm in it, right? I'm 32. My fiance is 25. I'm, I, I, you could argue I'm the only, I'm the last friend of mine to get married. Yeah. Uh, like close friend. And so my friends would enter into these relationships and you always have this concern about yeah. what life's going to look like on the other side. One, you're very opinionated on who your buddies are picking. Other always. Partners you're, always. Yeah, yeah. you're like, Hey, I don't know if I like her because I feel like she's going to take you away from me. Yeah. I, she can still allow you to have fun. Um, especially when you're single. Well, now I'm in a stage, stage of life where all of us are kind of, um, partnering up and finding people and and I, I found like humor joking uh is the best way but what i love about bridesmaids it's not even like like the the friend who isn't getting married doesn't even realize how destructive she's being yeah like yeah and how much damage she's causing to the health in the long term like that she's asking for things and doing things out of like insecurity which how, how many of us can relate yeah. to that, that will cause lot, like years of damage, if not understood, mm-hmm. recognized and fixed. So you watch those movies and like, you're like almost, I have this thing where like, I have a hard time watching awkward moments in shows. I, I put my hands on my face. I look So, so, so I, I like can't. Scott's tots on the office. Oh, that That's a hard skit for you every time. Oh, I can't do it, man. <laughs> it just makes me cringe. Like yeah. to like, a level that like is unhealthy. And I, and those moments I know are good for me, but watching bridesmaids, there's so many frustrating moments where you're like cringing because it's like, you don't have to do it this way. But then again, you find, I find myself in my own real life doing the same thing when my buddies are getting partnered up. Yeah. Well, the, the, the other great thing about this, this genre is it, it takes a lot of liberties with like exploring that th- those types of friendships to a really deep degree, you know, even in like old school, which is we talked about Vince Vaughn earlier, but that move that movie opens up with Vince Vaughn as a as like a, one of the groomsmen, yeah. 
And with Will Ferrell standing there and his wife's coming down the aisle, Vince Vaughn's going, don't do it. Don't do it. You're making a huge mistake. You're good. Please, you've got time. Yeah. You know, I feel like every guy can relate to being in that tense moment. Um, you know, when now that you're getting married and you said, you know, you're kind of one of the last in your friends group, have you kind of had that conversation with your your buddies about sort of just... You know, it's it's a lot of times hard to do it directly, but sort of yeah. those conversations just about how kind of life is kind of changing or is that something I feel like for me and a lot of guys, it's just easier to avoid it and wait till that awkward text one day where your buddy's like, hey, man, we never hang out or dude, you're not checking yeah. your fantasy lineup anymore. Or have you had those moments where you're like, look, guys, things are just kind of changing now that you've especially now that you've been engaged. Oh, 100 percent. Now, I will say one of because I've seen both sides right now, I've had buddies go through divorce. Yeah, I've had buddies go through breakups. Um, I have had the, I guess the, the opportunity to see what what's best and what's worst, or what I believe is best and worst. And so when it yeah. comes to you know Jessica, I was looking for somebody that would say, hey, you know, you this relationship is a huge commitment for you. This is a priority in your life. However, just because it's a priority doesn't mean that all of your other priorities go away. And she supports that fully. So yeah. it's something I personally was looking for. Now, at the same time, I have had those conversations many of times since then. Yeah. Um, like, it, it, but they're always awkward. They're always funny. But you also have to realize where my life looks like. So I'm from Indiana, like a small town in Indiana. Most okay. of my friends today are high school, college friends. Now, I do have friends that I've made since then, but those are like some of my closest relationships. Yeah. Though. Like when it comes to them joking about life change with me, like I'm very used to it, right? I go from <laughs> I go from being an, a kid in Indiana to being a bachelor and having my picture on People Magazine. Like yeah. they don't let, let me live that down. In fact, for years they called me King of the Nerds. Like they didn't call me the Bachelor. They yeah. didn't say, "Oh, how cool it is," you know. And they're all relationships. Like they didn't take yeah. advantage of any of the opportunity when it comes to dating yeah. or going out that like I never went out after the bachelor because my buddies want to go with me. Like they're all yeah. married. They're all home, yeah. like watching TV. And so for, I feel like our relationship is, is would be a comedy in the sense that like ever since that moment for me, I've never lived it down. Like it's never yeah. been impressive to them. Yeah. Like they, they can care less. <laughs> yeah. Back, they use it just as fuel to the flame to make me feel worse. Yeah. Um, and so, like with relationships, I think they're just happy that I like at this point they're just happy that the bachelor deal's done, and so yeah. we can get back to playing cards on a Friday night, and you know, not me going to do something, you know, trying to go on a date. Well, it, it is interesting because a lot of people who you know have any involvement, kind of in, with celebrity or you know, not just reality TV, kind of really any level of notoriety, especially sort of in the internet era you see a lot of people that aren't able to stay grounded and they lose connection with those people who are kind of their OGs, the people they grew up with. And, um, you know, and the, the people who are the four buddies in the hangover, like they'd lose touch with them or isolate them, or they, they just go to a different life and kind of leave everything behind. What is it that helps you stay grounded with the people who are sort of the analogs to the, like the funny crews in wedding crashers and, uh, you know, hangover and bridesmaids. If you, if those people are still a part of your life, why do you think you were able to stay so grounded and connected with them while other people who have experiences with fame maybe have kind of lost touch or went in a different direction? Oh, my, my, 
buddies are idiots. Like, I just love them. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Which, I mean, which is the hallmark of that genre. It's like, yeah. if your buddies are idiotic enough, they'll be with you for life. You know, they, they're, they're fun. I mean, we've done so much life together leading up to that point that yeah. there was nothing inside of me that wanted, like that was at any moment saying I need a, a friend change or whatever. I mean, they knew me better. They'd seen, they laughed with me through stuff. I'm, at the same time, like um, the host of The Bachelor sat me down right when all this was happening, right? Like all this started to come on. And he goes, Ben, use this to enhance your life, not change it completely. And like when I think about enhancing my life, I thought, hey, I want to find a career that I really am passionate about that I love. Um, uh, but I also was like, there was nothing inside me. It's like, I need new friends. I need cooler friends. I need friends that are a little more popular, a little more famous. Like, I don't know what that does for me long term. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like my friendships, I see friendships through the lens of uh, helping me go push forward, keeping me um, at the best I can, like the best they can, uh, to be a better man tomorrow than I was today. And also just friends that are willing to make some memories with me. My friends did that. And so yeah. I had no desire to go outside of that. And I have a great family and they they kept me grounded. Um I think I think over and over again. Maybe this is the truth to it all. I think over and over again, uh, it's maybe frustrated as I get at times. Like the the jokes that they would play on me, or the comments they would make to me, even if they hit deep, um, they were always true. So yeah. like they they continue to prove to me that they had my best interest in mind. Like if I would have gone out and tried to be famous from reality television show and seek that fame, like I don't know what that spits me out like today. But for them, as they joked more about me, kept me more convicted, tell me I'm not that cool. I realized that they're right. And it kept me, it kept me in a space that said, Hey, it, I mean, it did, it just helped me become a better man. And so I guess I, I wanted friendships like them and I didn't see any desire to change that. Now my friendships have expanded and now I have friends that are producers and I have friends that are actors. Right. Um, in fact, they just had my bachelor party and all friends from high school, college, uh, my career, uh, my yeah. like out here. And then from the bachelor world, we're all together in one. I looked around, I was like, you know, there's a common theme. These, these do, do just never took me too serious. Yeah. Um, and I love that. So yeah, I got lucky, I guess maybe with good friendships. I can't take credit for that as much as like, I just had good people around me. Yeah. And that, and that's what I feel like makes some of those movies so fun to revisit is like, everybody knows what it's to be, to be like with the dudes who are going to bust your chops, no matter what, no matter what you're going through, no matter what, they're still the same, you know? Uh And that's, and that's, you know, for, for number one on my list, it's, it's a recent one, but it's interesting. We, we kind of ended up here in the conversation because it really is a film about this. It's a, you know, I think during the pandemic, I don't know about you, but I went through a phase where it's just like, well, it's just Netflix discovery time. I'm going to start watching watching everything that's out there just to, you know, not going out for the summer. And, you know, they, there was a string of movies. There was Eurovision, which was kind of a Will Ferrell comedy, uh, a movie Lovebirds with Kamel Johnny. But there's one called Always Be My Name, Maybe, with Ali Wong and Randall Park. And in the movie, Ali Wong plays a, uh, uh, they play two childhood kind of love interests who were best friends as like little, little kids. Cool. Now they grow up. He plays, he, his, his life has led him to be 
playing in like a cover band at, you know, kind of small clubs in the town they grew up in. She is a world famous chefs who is on like chef's table and hanging out with Keanu Reeves in this movie has the greatest scene of his career where he just plays a psychotic, self-aware version of Keanu Reeves, uh, who's very impressed with himself for being in Keanu Reeves. But her life leads her to hanging out with Keanu Reeves at fancy live restaurants. His life leads him to basically doing the same things he was doing in high school. And it really kind of does explore that tension and how it affects people in in romantic ways. That's a tension you've probably had to deal with with your relationships. You know, when you come out of the bachelor bachelorette and you are, you know, objectively famous at that point. Right. And, you know, you're entering, you know, with different relationships with people, maybe that haven't experienced that kind of fame. What kind of like not tension does that cause? Because but what what are some of the kind of funnier ways? Because that's really what these movies are about is kind of unpack. And like we were talking about earlier, kind of disarming the tension with humor. What are some ways that that has kind of played out in your life being someone that has experienced that kind of notoriety, but being with people that are just kind of regular people? that kind of find the humor in it oh my gosh i mean you know again i go back to the beginning where like if i worked really hard to be a famous actor maybe i did it this would probably feel a little different or an athlete like yeah. a professional athlete i went on a reality television show and yeah. there's a new bachelor every year like i get 12 months of being the bachelor and then i'm done yeah and it's ridiculous and people laugh at you and they get together and watch watch the show together so they can laugh at you yeah. Um, your grandma watches the show and has to watch you make out with somebody like <laughs> and get the and like get the close-ups of it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of humor in the show. Like there's the hot and heavy moments during the show that like you're sitting with your family and you're like, oh, like like it's weird, man. Yeah. Um and I think at the end of it all, and 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 to get like like to get to be like real life for a second. All of these people. So I've gotten to sit down at the table, right? I've been on Jimmy Kimmel. I've been on Today Show. I've been on Good Morning America. Everybody there that's a guest, ultimately, they just want to be known and they just want to be loved. Even if they can't admit it to themselves. Like, even if I couldn't admit to myself, like they just want to be known, they just want to be loved. And they want people to love and know them enough so that they can laugh at them. But when you become so famous, it becomes really hard because you're so, you're getting criticized all the time. And so like more criticism, it's hard to differentiate what's come from a place of love and just your buddies being buddies. Yeah. And what comes from a place of like true hate and like destruction. And so you protect yourself. You, you surround yourself with people who are going to, in a sense, worship you, who are going to do everything for you, tell you how great you are. Because in a sense, that's kind of what you need. Like you get so much criticism that you need people around you being like, listen, you're great. And so I think the humor in that is how far out of touch you get with who we are as humans, which again, I think is the desire to be known and be loved. And so the humor in that is like, you have all these people telling you you're great. When you're doing the same thing that everybody else is doing, you just are a little bit more known, maybe a little bit wealthier. Maybe you have a little bit more opportunities that you're at stake. Um, For me in my life, uh, I think it's always been uh, a comedy to me. Because again, of where I come from, uh, how, who I know I am, how I became quote unquote famous, um, and then kind of how I'm treated afterwards. Yeah. So, you know, for me, there's nothing about it that I take a lot of pride in, um, because there's just nothing about it that I could be that proud of other than maybe what I've done with it afterwards. Like I'm very proud of like 
how this has gone for me. I'm very proud about the place I'm at today. Like, but like, I, I have a lot of like, I'm very excited about where life has taken me. But throughout it, it's hilarious. Like, man, I showed up. I remember this. I showed. I think it was the American Music Awards. Okay. And yeah, it was. And I was so nervous about what I was going to wear, like because there's a red carpet, yeah. and there's all these celebrities. And so at one point, my buddies come over and I called my friend who's going with me. And I was like, dude, I don't know what to wear. Like, I want to look good. I need to be cool. And he's like, no, Ben, you're not cool. This is what, <laughs> this is what you're going to do. Ben. He's like, you're going to wear a V-neck t-shirt, a suit jacket, and a bullet tie. Because you own all of those things. You bought them all probably at Walmart or Kohl's. And you're yeah. going to rock it because that's who you are. That's who you've always been. And so we did it. And it's just like... I walked in that moment. I was like, yeah, I don't fit in here. Like yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't wear the, the shiny, the shiny suit and make a statement. Like I'm just, I just need to have fun with this and laugh at it as far, as long as I can. Yeah. Well, Ben, that, that's so awesome, man. And dude, you are doing some incredible things with the platform that, that, you know, you've kind of developed. I definitely would encourage people to check out generous, uh, coffee and yeah. for real quick, for people that don't know about that, give them the quick kind of elevator pitch about what you guys are doing yeah. and why it's so impactful. Yeah. So generous coffee, you can visit us at generouscoffee.com. Uh, we, my buddies and I uh, all came up with the idea that we wouldn't profit at all off this. Like I don't make any money on it. I won't make any money on the sale of the company or on a sale of a product. We want to create a, a, a passion project for us that sold products that tell really great stories behind them. Stories that are socially responsible, uh, environmentally responsible, and then we'll donate hundred percent of the profits to nonprofits. So generous coffee is my full-time job. It's what I do when I'm not doing stuff like this. Um, and we just sell the highest grade coffee uh, online uh, through subscriptions and through one-off purchases. And then we just donate it back to nonprofits fighting human injustice around the world. So that's been awesome. It's, it's kept me grounded too, because you know you go to these countries who are just facing tremendous amount of injustice. You can't, you know, there's, there's yeah. bigger things in this world than me being become more famous when you see those stuff, that stuff. So it keeps, it keeps me grounded too. Yeah. Well, uh, Ben, it's so awesome, man. And I definitely encourage people to check out Alone in Plain Sight. And you have another project. I won't reveal too much about what it is, but I will say people should follow you on Instagram for some big news about uh, something yeah. else very cool that you're working on with a, with a good mutual friend of ours that I'm very excited to check out here. I, I, I probably said too much already, but, uh, but... No, no, you haven't. You haven't at all. Uh, yeah, Hope Still Wins is an Instagram show I've done. I've done for a year now, interviewing thought leaders and people I respect about the idea of hope. And if it exists, if, if we can get hope back where it's gone, maybe it's been here the whole time. Yeah. And, uh, and I have an incredible opportunity coming up where uh, that's going to be expanded into a platform. And it's a dream of mine. So I get to talk about yeah. hope for a living. That's kind of cool. That's awesome, man. Well, hey, one last question before I let you go, Ben. Is the bolo tie, is it still in rotation? Is it, does it still make an appearance now and then? Yeah, don't yeah, don't joke yourself. Yeah, of course. Uh, date night. Uh, when I'm trying movie to look night. Good, movie and, night, man. You got to get the bolo with a little turquoise stone. You know, that's the yes, that's Let's the. the hey, man, that Southwest trip, man. You know, that's, that's right. oil man trip right there. That's right, buddy. Yeah, it makes you look a little cooler than you are. That's right. Well, Ben, dude, this was a blast, man. Congrats on the book. Congrats Thank on all you. the projects, man. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for breaking down some movies with me. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
All right, everyone, that is it for this episode of Listed on the Ironclad Content Network. Hey, if you like the show, I know every podcast has to do it, but it really does help. If you like the show, leave a rating and review. I really appreciate it. All right, guys, we'll see you next time.